prayer one more time as we uh, open the word. Father God, I thank you so much for this night, Lord. I thank you that you're here with us, Father, that it's your word, it's your message that will be spoken. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that first and foremost, that you would move me out of the way of this process, Father God, that, Lord, in my weaknesses, Father, that you would ordain strength for your own namesake, and that, Lord, in my foolishness, that you would declare wisdom. So I pray that your Holy Spirit would do the speaking and the teaching tonight, Lord. Pray that you would fill us and give us a passion for following you, Lord, not for knowing the right words, having the answers, uh, having a, a good Christian, you know, checklist, but just to know you. And I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your word tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Daniel, if you want to turn this back down a little bit while I'm uh, up here, that would probably be good. Okay, well, do what you feel you need to do. Um, join me tonight, if you will, in Acts chapter 8. And we're going to be reading through verses 26 through 40. Um, and we're not going to cover the entire passage tonight. In fact, we'll probably be on the same passage next week. Maybe longer, I'm not sure. But there's, there's quite a bit in here that I, I really want to share with you. But tonight, what we're going to be talking about is we're going to be talking about something that <laughs> the majority of the church one way misses and the majority of the church the other way fakes, right? And so we're going to be looking at having something authentic and walking a narrow road. So tonight what we're going to be looking at is what does it mean as a Christian to walk and to minister and to to serve in the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit. And so what we're going to do, the way we're going to do this is we're going to look at, at an example uh, of a man named Philip, the same man who really we've been studying for a while. And we're going to look at what his life looked like, and we're going to compare it a little bit, compare a contrast to ours, and see what is it that we can glean from this story as far as it concerns having a Spirit-filled life. Okay, and it's, it's so crazy to me that as I've been thinking about this message and as it's been dwelling in my heart, I guess I haven't really even, didn't even realize it, but just the words that I just said about having a spirit-filled life, walking and ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit, there was probably a time in my life where just someone, just saying, someone saying that, I would have been like, that's some charismatic crazy guy, just by hearing those words. Or at least, if nothing else, I, maybe, if, maybe if I wouldn't have said that, I don't even know if I really would have understood what that meant. I can definitely say that. That I would have been like, okay, yeah, but what does that mean? And yet, the more I walk with Jesus, the more of the scripture I learn, the more experience that I have just walking with God, the more I realize how important and how crucial and how foundational having a, an active relationship with the Holy Spirit is. So let's look at this passage, starting in verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, 
Arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. I love that. It's like, I feel like Luke just threw that in there like, just in case you forget, this is the desert. So, just saying. So, go down to this road, right, between um, Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. And so, he arose and he went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch asked, uh, answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does this prophet say this? Of himself? Or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Or, I think that's how you say it, Caesarea. That's how I say it. Anyways. So this is what's going on, right? So it's kind of an interesting story. Um, first of all, let's, let's have a little recap on who Philip is and what's going on. So Philip was actually one of the deacons that was appointed back in Acts chapter 6, if you all remember that, right? So there were widows in need and there was this dispute, and the apostles appointed the first deacons, and one of those was Philip. Soon after, Stephen, another deacon, starts preaching Jesus to the Pharisees, and he gets stoned to death. And after they kill Stephen, a great, you know, uh, great persecution broke out against the church. So Philip takes off. He's like, I'm out. And he goes down to Samaria. So the last couple weeks, as we've been talking about the, the uh, Samaritans coming to Christ, being baptized, being filled with the Holy Spirit, Philip was the one who was preaching the word and was doing signs and wonders. And now, right after that, an angel of the Lord says, hey man, go out to the desert. Philip's like, okay. And he goes. And so we have this episode. Right? So Philip's a pretty cool dude in my book. You know, and 
here's the thing about Philip. Um, you know, I've never been in a desert, but we live in Texas. And if a desert is hotter than Texas, I don't want to go there. Okay? But I want you to think about this. Philip is chilling out. All these people just got baptized, right? All these people just got saved. He could sit around and, and, you know, bask in, oh, look at what I did for months. People do that. But an angel of the Lord appears and says, go to the desert. The angel doesn't say why. He doesn't say if someone's going to show up. He doesn't say, oh, and wait until a certain time. He just says, go to this road. What does Philip do? He gets up and he goes. I'll tell you what, man. That is a simple faith. A simple faith. And that is probably the most powerful faith you can have. In fact, it might be the only real faith you can have. As God sent him a message and said, you need to go here. He doesn't know why. He doesn't know the details. He doesn't know how long he's going to be there. But he gets up and goes. And man, that is so important. Right? And so he goes, he's obedient to the Lord. And check this out. So you got to think. I want you to think about this. We're all in Kerrville, right? So let's say you're sitting here. You know, you're having a good old time, hanging out with your homeboys, and an angel shows up. Like, you go to the bathroom, there's an angel, you know, pops up in your mirror, and you're like, whoa! And he's like, I need you to go to Lakey. And then he just disappears. And you're like, well, what the heck, man? There ain't nothing in Lakey. So you start walking to Lakey. Walking. Well, he was walking, so you're walking too. <laughs> okay? So you start walking to Lakey. No idea why. It's crazy, right? So here Philip is walking into the desert, and then the Spirit speaks to him. Now, in case you're not familiar, you know, when an angel shows up to people, I'll tell you what, if an angel shows up to me and starts talking to me, I'll probably be pretty convinced. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit speaks, there ain't no angel. There's no booming voice. There's no foot kicking you out the door. When God speaks, he speaks powerfully, but sometimes very subtly. And it's up to us to decide, am I going to trust and go? So that's probably, it's probably a lot easier to go to the desert when an angel is showing up than it is for Philip when the Spirit says to him to go uh, overtake this eunuch. So, Verse 29, then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. That's another thing. This chariot is moving. Okay, I don't, <laughs> this, this eunuch ain't just like sitting down like in the shade. This is a moving, God says, go run after the chariot. So the Spirit speaks to him and he says, go overtake the chariot. Here goes Philip, started running after a chariot. <clears throat> That's probably crazier than going to the desert if you ask me. You know, and uh, he sees this guy and he says, uh, hey, so what are you reading there, buddy? You understand what you're reading? And the eunuch says, no, man, why don't you come up and teach me? Okay. And so 
we just read this. You know what happens, right? So he explains Jesus to him from the Old Testament scriptures. The eunuch wants to be baptized, so they stop. He baptizes him, and then what happens? One of the craziest passages in the Bible, right? The eunuch comes out of the water, and Philip is literally teleported. It says he's gone. And he appears in Azotus. And so what does Philip do? He just starts skipping away and preaching the gospel until he gets back to Caesarea. Is that not crazy? Does this not sound like a ridiculous story? But it's also amazing to me because this guy was probably living pretty well in Jerusalem. But persecution came and he had got, to, got sent to the Samaritans, Samarians, whatever. And so what did he do? He started preaching. And then, as he's in this new place and he's preaching and things are going pretty well, right? Getting kind of comfortable. Then God says, oh, go to the desert. And he's like, well, dang, man. So now he's going to the desert. And then, oh, okay, well, here's the guy I need to talk to. So he starts talking to the guy. The guy gets baptized. He's like, okay, this is going pretty well. And then, boom, he's in some random city, stuck out, right? And what does he do? He just keeps on going, preaching the gospel. So what's my point, right? What does this mean to you? Here's something very interesting to me. Um, it seems that Philip was a guy who had a pretty good relationship with the Holy Spirit. Philip was a guy who was pretty sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Back in Acts 6, to become a deacon, they said, go pick a man full of wisdom and full of the Spirit. And that was Philip, right? But how many of y'all know that the Bible says that God does not change? He is the same yesterday as he is today, as he is tomorrow and forever will be. So a good example from Philip is this. Everything in Philip's life is being shaken up, thrown around. He's moving from place to place. There are literally people wanting to kill him, and he has no idea which way his life is going. He has no idea other than when God tells him to go to the desert with no other instruction. He has no idea where his life is going or what God is going to use him for. None. And yet this guy doesn't skip a beat, man. This guy doesn't... Does anybody want to have a life like that where it doesn't matter what happens in your life? It doesn't matter if you know where you're going tomorrow. It doesn't matter if you have a house or a home or if people are trying to run you out of the city, that you are just faithful and you don't skip a beat with your relationship with God. Man, that's the type of relationship with God I want. And what's amazing to me about Philip and this is a truth that you need. I want you to just grab this. I want you to stick it in your brain. And I want you to lock it up and keep it there. As long as your eyes are on Jesus, as long as you're seeking God and asking every day, Lord, what are we doing today? How am I going to be useful today? Lord, provide for me today. As long as your eyes are on Jesus, everything around you can fall apart day after day, month after month, and it will not matter because if everything in your life is unstable, God is stable. And God does not change. That's why Jesus says, build your house upon the rock, 
And that rock is Jesus Christ because it's a firm foundation. It does not shake. It does not shift. It does not change. But if the focus of your life is on any other foundation, man, it's a shifting sand. And many of you may have a life like this where you cry out to God and you seek him and your life starts going up and then everything starts getting good and you just, man, you start rocking and rolling life as normal and then everything flattens out and then you start, things start going down. And it's not until you're down at the bottom then you say, okay, Lord, I need you and you start seeking him and you're praying and you're reading the Bible and then all of a sudden your life starts going up and you're like, yes. And then Satan distracts you or something happens and all of a sudden your life starts going back down again. And your life is just this constant loop. You do not want to live that way. If you notice the up in lives is when your heart, rather out of fear, out of joy, or out of desperation, is chasing after God. And when you're chasing after God, the up begins. So how about we just don't stop doing that? Well, that seems simple. I didn't need to come to church to hear this. It is simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. But here's the thing. We have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We have to be able to discern and to hear those small voices like the Spirit telling him, hey, go run after the eunuch. By the way, usually when the Holy Spirit starts talking, it's something crazy or it's something you don't really want to do. Because chasing after a freaking chariot in the desert to the eunuch who's the head of all the queen's treasury is kind of crazy. Okay? That's like if Donald Trump is rolling through town in a limo and God's like, hey, Go chase after the limo. And you're like, no. <laughs> that sounds like a bad idea. Right? Like, where's the Bible verse for that? Where's the Bible verse for God? Do I chase after a, a running chariot? There isn't one. Now, I'll tell you what, I'm probably, there, you will probably not find anybody who advocates being in your word and knowing the word more than me, okay? God's word is power, and it's wisdom, and it's verity. I had to look that word up, by the way, so don't feel bad. Absolute truth. You just learned something. Verity, absolute truth. Man, and you need it, and you need to know it here. But, but, when you get a phone call at 3 a.m., and your buddy's calling you because his brother is trying to kill himself and he just ran off in the woods and he's calling you where's the bible verse anybody want to quote one for me no what about what about when you come to a crossroad in your life and you it looks like next month you're getting kicked out you've got nowhere to go you're going to lose your job you have no idea what's on the other side of that yes there is a bible verse Trust God, do not worry, he provides. But on which direction you go, where's the Bible verse? Do you understand 
the issue here. When Jesus left, he said, I will send you another helper. I will send you the comforter. I will send you the spirit of truth. And he has done that. He has done that. And you know what's crazy about, we read all, about all these people in Acts, about Philip, about Stephen, right? About the apostles. They had the Old Testament. Guess what? There was no New Testament. All these Christians that just became Christians in, in Samaria, all these Christians who just became Christians in, in Rome and throughout the world, there is no New Testament. Some of them don't even have an Old Testament. They have the words of the Lord that have been preached through the apostles and through the other people, the salvation in Christ. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit. But then day to day, they have to receive from God. We don't understand how blessed we are. You don't, you don't understand that if you have a Bible in your hand, you just, you're one of the most spoiled brats on the planet Earth. Okay? If, if we could go back to the days of Acts and start handing out Bibles, dude, we'd have, they'd have to be like three more books of Acts. It'd be crazy. We have to have a relationship with God and we have to be sensitive to hear his voice because every single day, God will speak to you. He'll do it through his word, by the way. That's not an excuse. Some people, they just want to, you know, I don't, really, I don't really read my Bible, you know, like, I don't really go to church all the time. I just, you know, I just, I live in the spirit, man. Dude, give me a break. That's, that's an excuse. 90% of the time, that's an excuse, Okay. But Paul tells us, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So how do we do this? This is, this is difficult. This is, this is something of great debate. This is something that, man, people make whole doctrines out of this stuff. It's crazy. But there's two problems that we have in the church. You look at Philip, right? First, an angel tells him to go. Then the spirit tells him to overtake the chariot, right? Then he begins to preach Christ, and then God just sends him off somewhere else. Do you think he had a road? Do you think when he showed up in Azotus or, or whatever, that God had, like, teleported a map into his hand? and was like, hey, follow this route? Probably not. Probably not. But he was, he was a man who was filled with, with wisdom and filled with the Holy Spirit. And so he went forward in faith and he preached the word. And who knows what else happened, right? We don't got the full story. Here's the problem today, guys. Two major problems. For one, people are not asking. People are not asking for God to speak to them. People are not asking for God to to guide them. People are not asking for God to give them wisdom, for God to give them understanding, for God to give them guidance. Maybe they might pray, oh Lord, I need some guidance, but they're not really asking. They're not really seeking. And the reason why is the second problem, because people today do not believe that God will do that. They don't believe it. They don't believe that God is going to speak to them. 
that God is going to give them words specifically, that God is going to give them wisdom specifically. Man, the craziest thing about my year, about this year of my life compared to any other year, is this year of my life, I've been seeing people come to Christ and instantly start hearing God speak to them in a way that took me years to figure out and get a grasp on. And it's been tripping me out. <laughs> and I'm like, man, that is awesome. And then my heart breaks because I look at the, the churches filled with people who have a rule book. And yeah, maybe they do have a love for Jesus. I'm not judging anybody. Don't get me wrong. I'm not condemning anybody. But when God speaks, it's very few and far in between. Part of that is because they don't know how to seek it or they're not willing to. And part of that is when he does speak, they're not willing to listen. And that's also a big issue with our relationship with the Holy Spirit. God probably speaks to you more than you realize. If nothing else, through the conviction of your heart, right? But many times we're not, we're not willing to listen. I've been reading through the book of Jeremiah. It's crazy. The people of Judah come to, to Jeremiah and they say, go and ask the Lord for us. If we can go to Egypt and if he'll bless us there. And whatever the Lord says, we'll do. That's what it says. Whatever the Lord says, we'll do. And Jeremiah comes back and says, well, God said, don't go to Egypt. If you stay here, I'll bless you. I'll keep you safe from harm. If you go to Egypt, everything that you're running from is going to follow you. Everything you think you're going to run from in Egypt is going to follow you, and you're going to die there. And these people, anything the Lord says we can do. No, you're a liar. And they go anyways. And God speaks to them the same word like four, five, six times until they finally all go to Egypt and die. That was a bad plan. Anybody say that's a bad plan? That's a bad plan. Guys, God has, <laughs> God has given you the most valuable thing in all of existence. The two most valuable things in all of existence. He's given you his only son. He's given you his own spirit. And we take it for granted. We had people praying before this sermon. Show me my ministry and pray that God will use me. And man, that excites me because I'm here today because I started praying that prayer. That's what it comes down to. I started praying that prayer and God started answering. That's why I'm here today. But I also know there was a lot of times where I said, Lord, use me. And God say, okay, you see that? Do that. And I was like, no, maybe not that. But Lord, use me. Okay, well, you see that person? Go talk to that person. Well, maybe, maybe tomorrow. Okay. Oh, you see that sick person? Go pray for them. Well, I'll just pray in my car in my head and I, maybe you'll heal them. Yeah, here we are, Wednesday night. All the Lord says we will do. Hmm. It is not enough to build a life on church attendance and on biblical knowledge. If you know the Bible front and back and you can outquote me, 
and you're not living the basic foundations of the Christian life, you are deceived. Read James 1 and 2. You are deceived. What I want to encourage you all to do is to start asking God to guide you, to give you wisdom, to speak to your heart, to speak to your heart. Have any of y'all ever been in a relationship with some, or, or wanted to be in a relationship with someone who really wasn't into you? And your heart just like pulled towards them and you were like, ah, oh, I, you know, and you just praying like, I remember, man, I remember being a kid. Well, Lord, I just, I pray she's just, you know, she's just happy with her life. And that was a, that was BS, man. I, this is not what I was praying. I was like, Lord, give me, I want that. Right. Anybody else? Am I, am I weird? Does anybody else ever pray something like that? Okay. I got one. Well, that's good. Two. Oh, uh, uh, there we go. Okay. I'm not weird. But that, 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 that pulling, that desire of your heart. What if you had that for God? Just to seek his face. Just God, just speak to me just so I can know you more. What if you had that? What if before you called your mom, your grandpa, your friend for advice, before you called your buddy to whine about your life, you went to the Lord and said, Lord, fix my heart and tell me what I need to do. And then you listened. Have you ever done that? Has anybody ever actually prayed and then just sat there and listened? Good. Some of you have. You need to do that. Because even if he doesn't give you an answer right away, he might give you peace. Shh, and that's an answer, baby. Tell you what. I want you all guys to start praying. Start asking God to show you. You know, I want to end with this. Um, in verse... 31. So Philip ran up to the guy and, and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And in verse 31, the eunuch said, how can I unless someone guides me? How can I unless someone guides me? Let me ask you something. Do you know what God's plan for the rest of your life is? Jacob does. I mean, he's got a tie on, so he must, he must know. Do you know what's going to happen after 8 p.m. when you wake up tomorrow? No. No idea, right? Do you know what ministry or gifts God is giving you or going to give you? And if you do, do you know how it's going to change next year? No? Do you have any idea why you have to read the book of Leviticus? I don't either. No, that was a joke. How can you unless someone guides you? God has given you his own spirit. And God is infinitely searchable and infinitely wise and infinitely knowledgeable and good and powerful. And he has that for all who seek him. In the book of Luke, it says that God will give the Holy Spirit to all who ask. How much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask is what it says. You don't need to be led by your pastor, by your friends, by how good and smart you think you are. Can those things help? Sure. But the Holy Spirit has to be the one providing the wisdom and the guidance. And if your life is dry 
man. It's because you're not reaching out for what God has already given you. So let's just, let's pray tonight. And let's just ask God to give us a life like Philip's. To give us a life where when everything's going in three different directions, when every time we get comfortable, get shaken up again, that we can still have peace because God doesn't change. To give us a life where we're willing and we're, we're eager to hear God speak so that we can go, even if we don't know what's on the other side. Because I'll tell you what, my, put the word aside in my own experience, God almost never tells me the outcome of what he's telling me to do. He just says, go. Let's pray for an eagerness and let's, let's pray for a heart that's faithful enough to respond to the Spirit of God when he speaks. Father God, I thank you so much for this night, Lord. I thank you for this message, Father God, that you've put on my heart, Lord. I thank you for your word, Lord God, that, man, there is power in the word of God. Lord, that it's, it's God-breathed, it's inspired, and it's useful for teaching and correction and for training in righteousness, Lord, that we can be equipped with every good work. But Father God, you say that the unspiritual can't understand spiritual things. So Father God, we need your Holy Spirit to empower us. Lord Jesus, I'm praying that you would just fill these people up, Lord, that you'd fill them with a new uh, fervent desire to know you, that you'd give them the desire just to hear you speak, that they would seek you out and that they would find you, Lord. I'm praying that where there's guidance needed, that you would guide them. Where there's direction, you would give it, Father. Where there is, there is dry spirits and hurting hearts, Father, that you would just let living waters move through them, Father God. And that you would teach them what a life led by your spirit is really like. And Father, I pray it for myself as well, because I know you always have a new measure of grace for those willing to ask for it. So I pray that you would just bless us, Lord, and not let us be deceived, not let us be hearers of the word, but Father, that we would walk it out. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.